It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 510 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This week, it's the return of Madeline Holly Rosing from Boston Metaphysical Society. She's got an already successful Kickstarter going for the Ghost Ship audio drama. We catch up on how the comic is doing and the other various incarnations of this franchise and talk about the audio drama as well. It's described this way. Samuel, Caitlin, and Granville must solve the deadly mystery of a ghost ship in this eight-episode audio drama. She's already met her goal, so this is a great time to catch on to stretch goals and the wonderful gifts that she has ready to give to people who support the Boston Metaphysical Society in all its incarnations. Now's the time to back this project, which will conclude on Friday, November 19 at 2.17 in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time. As always, be sure to focus on what Molly is saying and not the sound of my voice, which is still a little out of sync. As I'm recording this, they're getting to stretch goal number two. There's good things to have, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy what she has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome back to the podcast from Boston Metaphysical Society, Madeline Holly Rosing, who is going into new fields with her creation and got a Kickstarter going, which is already successful. So how's it going, Madeline? It's going great, Wayne. Thank you so much for having me on the show again. I really appreciate it. It's so good to talk with you. I, I We talked last time about a lot of the stuff of the, of the books and, you know, how you they came to be and, you know, I love female leads and things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to avoid a little of that this time. We'll get into the fact that it's called The Ghost Ship Audio Drama uh, is yes. the subtitle for the Boston yes. Metaphysical Society. Well, why don't we start off with, just in case somebody didn't hear you last time, tell people what Boston Metaphysical Society is about. Sure. Uh, For those who aren't familiar, I am the writer-creator of the steampunk supernatural graphic novel and prose series uh, and soon-to-be audio drama, Boston Metaphysical Society. And uh, the basic premise of it is about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. We have... um, a trade paperback of our original six issue miniseries out. Uh, and actually there's a new cover coming out. It was just in previews by Roberta in Granada. Um, that'll be available to pick up from your comic book store in December. And we have four sequels out. Uh, the trade paperback, the art was done by Emily Hugh and the, and Gwen Tavares took up the reins for the four sequels. Mm-hmm. And I think I was on the show and we were talking about uh, the Book of Demons, which was the fourth sequel, which we are delivering right now. Um, mm. We have we had we have over 600 packages to go out and over <laughs> 500 have gone. I think we've got about about 100 more. So we're oh, almost boy. there. Almost. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy, you'll be happy. You'll, you'll get your house back again. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll get my office back and the living room back. and. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good problem to have though uh, uh, yes yes it is it is a good problem to have all those good backers and like i said you've already reached your goal people always get on me because i don't say this stuff soon enough so let's t- i'll talk about the uh what the the uh, specifics are uh this project will only be funded if it reaches its goal by friday november 19 at two seventeen p.m eastern time 
And of course, your, your goal was $10,000, but you shot right past that. You're over 250 backers as we're talking. We're recording a little ahead of time mm-hmm. so people know. But uh, you're already a success with this one. You're getting good at this Kickstarter thing. Yeah, I mean, this is number 10 for me. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a veteran Kickstarter person. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you, you're one Kickstarter, you're fulfilling, the other one's underway. So you kind of have to juggle. It's like those uh, people that used to juggle uh, plates on sticks, and you'd see them spinning around, and one of them would start to wobble, and they have to rush over and spin it a little faster. That's, yeah, that's kind of the way I, you are. I, I, yeah, I don't recommend fulfilling and um, running a Kickstarter at the same time. <laughs> uh, it just happened to work out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't, my, my plans were very different, That, but yeah, mm. you know, the best laid plans. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. Now, this time, uh, and if people, by the way, if they want to hear samples of what the audio sounds like, you can go to your Kickstarter page, which is uh, Boston Metaphysical Society, the ghost ship audio drama. That's the way to find it. Yeah, that's correct. We've got two clips up. Um, one is, uh, the first sample audio you hear are, you know, our main characters, Samuel, Caitlin and Granville, uh, in, in episode one, it's, it's just a very short, short bit. And then in this, in the other sample audio, you hear, um, well, Emily Snyder, we can, we can talk about the cast. The, the mm-hmm. cast is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, as she's singing with one of our major supporting characters, uh, Jimmy McLaren, the bard of Armagh and, one of the, the fun things about this is when I sent out the casting call for this, I simply said, must have, you know, be able to carry a tune. You know, you don't have to be a great singer, just carry a tune to, to, in order to pull this off. Because this was written in the script that they had to sing the Bard of Armagh, which is a, a traditional Irish folk song. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to it, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but there's a reason why it starts off very rough in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and then they come in at the end and they're both harmonizing together. Cause mm-hmm. there, there's a real, there's a reason why it's very rough in the beginning. And then it gets, you know, better and, and more controlled because the characters have to be. And, but um, Ryan Hoyle who plays Jimmy McLaren uh, and Emily just, knock it out of the park they're just mm. you know if you take a, a listen to it it's just phenomenal mm-hmm. it's just great I, I i listened to both of them i really liked that because I, as i was telling you before we started to record this is a place that few comics dare to go <laughs> <laughs> they tend to go everybody wants to go to an animated thing or they want to go to a movie or a tv show but you're going to an audio drama and that's see i just being an audio podcast i'm particularly drawn to audio dramas although i've never done one mm-hmm. but I, I find it really interesting so talk to me about why you made the decision to go to an audio drama well i ultimately blame my friend eddie louise uh who eventually hired her and her husband to come on board as my production team um it had been suggested to me actually pre-pandemic that boston metaphysical would make a great audio drama or a play or live read or something like that. And, and I agreed with them, but I had no idea how, how to begin such mm-hmm. a process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out um, that my friend, Eddie Louise, uh, I, she is a, a, a writer herself. She and her husband, Chip Michael co-created and produced a audio drama called Sage and Savant, um, which mm-hmm. was on for four years. Mm-hmm. And so they're veteran audio producers uh she they both acted on it he was the audio engineer and and the composer and so she said she just told me she goes i really really think you should do this i think it would do really well Mm -hmm. and so yeah so i do blame her but i said (laughs) i'd only do it if you and you and chip came on board so they agreed. So I hired them. So she's uh, officially on board as the script editor and he's the audio engineer and, and composer. And he also did direct um, mm-hmm. and did a f- fabulous job. Uh, I, I am the producer mm-hmm. and I can tell you it is, it is not glamorous in any shape or form. <laughs> 
you know, everyone thinks, oh, you're the producer. No, no, no. You know, if producing is, is, you know, like high level office management in many respects and mm-hmm. you're handling scheduling and casting and contracts and payment and making sure everything gets done in communication uh, between, you know, yourself and, you know, ultimately, you know, the buck stops here with me. I, I make the ultimate decision on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I am um, the producer, I'm, it is my creation. It is my IP and I'm, I'm also funding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, quite frankly, it's also cheaper to do an audio drama than go into animation hmm. or to film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that, particularly when you have a, I mean, this is a non-union, very low budget project and mm-hmm. you keep it rather lean and mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can get it done. And, and we have, uh, Chip has been amazing. The first eight episodes, the voice tracks have already been laid. He's working on the special effects and the music right now. Um, so we do fully expect the, everything to be done probably no later than February of next year. And I'm I'm hoping earlier, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but you never know. I like to give people time and space to get it done. And and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, three, four months, I think is a reasonable time. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so did Chip. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously we had a conversation about it Mm because I wanted to keep it all realistic and Mm -hmm. people's expectations realistic. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's it's been obviously a, a lot more work than I had anticipated. Of course, <laughs> uh, probably also because you know there's learning curve, mm-hmm. you know, particularly for me. But yeah. it's it's been great working with the cast and working with Eddie Louise and Chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's been been terrific, and I think people are going to be very impressed with the production values. It's very professional sounding as I listen to them. I mean, I literally was transported into the, the universe of Boston Metaphysical Society. And the, the I believe the people, I believe the setting, I believe the whole thing was really very, you know, I, I love when something, when I open a comic and I, as Frank Miller once described it, I fall in. Yeah. You know, I, I, I lose where I am and I'm into in the comic. And it was that way with this. I, I lost track of where I was and what I was supposed to be doing. I was busy listening to it. I was, I'm glad it was short because I had things to do. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have been gone for a couple of hours because it was really very engrossing, very, yeah. very. What, what's nice is that it, it's, an, it's a standalone story. It's mm-hmm. eight episodes. They're approximately 30 minutes long, which mm-hmm. is a great chunk of time because that's like your average commute or mm-hmm. what you do on your cardio machine. <laughs> and and I could say for myself, my interest in audio dramas started uh, probably an, a number of years ago when I was driving home uh, from Silicon Valley, which is mm-hmm. up north for me. It's a good five to six hour drive. Mm-hmm. And I'd be coming home late on a Sunday. And for about a two hour window, I would get on my radio uh, an, an audio drama, an audio play. Mm-hmm. And so it was so great to listen to that while you're driving, because, you know, driving is boring. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's only so much music and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, it's like, okay, I have to start getting audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And so I started listening to a lot more audiobooks. So, you know, I have audiobooks with me everywhere. If whenever there's a long trip, my husband and I were both listening to an audiobook. I have an mm-hmm. audiobook for the gym. So this just seemed like a, a, a natural segue to do this. It's really excellent. I, I, I think I've got to ask those, how did you prepare to be the producer for this? Because as you said, there's a lot of things you don't know until you get into it, what you're going to have to do. Have you like been a producer for other productions? No, but I do come from a screenwriting background and mm-hmm. Uh, I have worked on other productions, not as a producer, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I was, I, I know what, what is involved just by being in the industry as long as I've, I've been. And, and this is just, you know, since we have a small cast and it's a small production, th- this is just a very 
I guess, you know, a tip of the iceberg of say like a film production or, you know, even an indie film production that, of, of the amount of work that's um, involved because we don't have, you know, gaffers and DPs and, and all of that. There's the production team is just myself, Eddie Louise and Chip. Uh, and then we have our cast. Um, so it's, it's, it's different, but you do, you have to have really good administrative skills. Um, say, you know, really good office management skills and be able to wear a lot of different hats, which I, I think I've done in, in probably every job I've ever had <laughs> leading up to this. So uh, let's just say I have a lot of work experience. So all of that, all of that came into play um, when in producing this. Was there anything that surprised you when you, when you took on this? Uh, probably I, I was surprised at how many um, actors auditioned. And, you know, I was paying an okay amount for mm. a non-union, but mm -hmm. it, it wasn't great. Mm -hmm. uh, but I talked to Eddie Louise and I said, okay, if I offer X amount, am I going to get a credible, you know, will this be enough to get good people? And, and, mm -hmm. and she'd been in the industry long enough that she would say, yes, you're going to get good people with this. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. Um, and I actually did end up because Chip, Chip was a very demanding director. <laughs> so those, those folks, he kind of, what I call very nicely put through the ringer um, <laughs> just because he wanted everything to be perfect and great and everything. Mm -hmm. They got extra, you know, I gave them a little bit more, you know, for their, their paycheck and everything mm -hmm. just because I want them to know it was appreciated. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, do you remember how many people you actually went through? Oh my God. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. It was a lot. And, and they were, and, they were, they were really good. And mm -hmm. a lot of them that were really good, it, we didn't select them because they were bad. It just, they didn't have the right voice type for what I was mm -hmm. looking for because mm -hmm. I've been living with these characters now for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And so I, in my head, I have an idea of what they should sound like. And mm -hmm. even though that particular actor was, was cruelly very, very good they just didn't sound the part. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to, I had to move on. And um, what Eddie Louise and, and Chip do, and this is, I, I've learned a tremendous amount from them is I narrowed it down to like my top three or five candidates for the, the three leads. And mm -hmm. then we had them come to a, a zoom reading Mm -hmm. and had breakout rooms and then we would rotate people around so they could play against each other so we could see how they would sound with each other how they took direction um until we and that helped us to our final decision of of who to hire mm -hmm. now you know i uh, i'm familiar with some behind the scenes stuff on like television i i i study that stuff my favorite show of all time was Star Trek Deep Space Nine and I did a lot of behind the scenes reading of what happened and there are a lot of the actors who applied or, or wanted to be a certain role they did not get that role but they got a different role Yeah. did you have any of that happen with your uh, auditions? absolutely absolutely hmm. um, let's see uh Ryan Hoyle, who became our Jimmy McLaren, had originally auditioned, and he was one of our finalists for uh, Samuel Hunter. Mm. And but we selected Ryan Philbrook, another Ryan, to play mm. Samuel. But then when we had the supporting characters go out, uh, he came back and um, sent in an audition for Jimmy McLaren, and he nailed that. So we hired him for that. And then the same thing for H.B. Gibson. He initially came on board and he was a finalist for uh, Granville. Mm -hmm. And we eventually hired him to play Thomas Edison. Hmm. Isn't that so, interesting? So absolutely. And then there was some other minor walk-on parts that we, um, that we did the same with. 
Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because, uh, you know, in Deep Space Nine, the, the guy who played uh, Cisco was Avery Brooks. Yes. And he was one of the people that auditioned for that. The other guy, one of the other ones that did was a guy to play Dr. Bashir. Oh, um, Alexander uh, Siddiq. Uh, yeah. Who also goes by, uh, his real name, I think, is Siddiq Al-Fadel. Yeah, Al-Fadil or something like that. So, uh, the thing was, was that he was in a play where he played a much older gentleman. Mm-hmm. In the, and they saw him in this play and they thought he was an older gentleman. So when he came into audition, they were surprised. Well, where's Siddiq Al-Fadil? And so well, that's me. Oh, I thought you were older, they said. And, and uh, it turned out he was perfect for her and he did a great job as Bashir. And oh, you know, a lot of people, good, when yeah. I... When I tell them, people, that the guy who played Bashir actually auditioned for Cisco, their mouths drop open. What? How could he have done that? And I explained that he played an older character and stuff. So I'm always interested in how people get selected. And and it's interesting to hear how you, you know, the process you went through and brought on. Now, the thing I'm, I'm curious, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this sounds so good. I, I have to wonder. Are you thinking about because you've got what four other series? I heard you say. Oh, oh, you mean the I have four sequels. Yeah. In the are, series, are any chance those sequels are also going to get the audio treatment? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and the ghost ship. Well, everything I do is a standalone story. I never repeat yeah. anything. Okay. And so, because a lot of times when I'm at cons, as you know, I have a novel out called A Storm of Secrets. Mm-hmm. And it's a prequel to the uh, trade paperback, our original six issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. And often people assume that that's the novelization of it. I, I don't do that. Okay. Everything, if, even if it's a different format, it's going to be a different story. Uh, the ghost ship is like the original six issue miniseries is an adaptation of a, a Boston metaphysical script that I wrote when I was at UCLA film school. Mm. I had taken um, a, a class where I mean, had already written the pilot for Boston metaphysical and there, uh, one of the classes, the instructor said, okay, you have to write the fifth episode for your series mm. with the understanding that if you can write a fifth episode, that means your series has legs. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote The Ghost Ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, adapting it to an audio drama, uh, I, I changed it quite a bit. Uh, that was my original, next question. Yeah, I changed it quite a bit. The original premise remains of, of why The Ghost Ship came in and um, uh, its effects and everything. But I don't believe I had Thomas Edison in that particular script. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I change I change a number of things. Cuz um, one of the things you're going to have to do instead of, you know, the 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 written word you can kind of uh make sounds and even on in, in comics you could put like a crash and our imagination supplies that, but here you're supplying the sounds. Correct. Was that a challenge? Was that how did how did you find that when you entered and had to do that? Well, before I started writing this, I I did research and was studying you know audio drama scripts from the BBC and a number of other places of how they were structured and uh, about the sound effects and 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 all of that and then I wrote an uh, an outline and I broke down each episode for all eight episodes mm-hmm. before I started writing it and then started doing that and, you know, thinking about what the sounds should be and making sure that they were in the script. And of course, Mm -hmm. with Eddie Louise help, I, you know, was able to do that better Mm -hmm. um, since she's been doing this a lot longer than I have (laughs) and uh, you know, making sure those sounds were there. And even, even now I'll hear, you know, Chip will, will, you know, send me an email and say like, Hey, you know, I, I think, you know, we either need to like remove this or we need to change something up here and we'll have, you know, about the sounds of the movement of the characters or something in the background mm-hmm. and we'll have a conversation about it and, and figure it out and he'll tinker with it and until it, it, we, we all think it sounds good. 
Oh, great. Because it's such an interesting process, you know, to go through. And of course, you know, it's like uh, uh, actors who wear masks. And I always remember Rene Auberginois talking about being Odo, who was a shapeshifter, and he had a, a a mask on. And it meant that his voice he had to use a lot more effectively because he couldn't use his expressions. And I was wondering about that, too. I mean, as far as sound only, uh, was that, you know, how did you attack that as far as doing that for this audio drama? Um, Well, that was a combination of, of the actors and the directing and the audio engineering, um, you know, letting uh, Chip, letting know an actor that he needs to pull back from a microphone because they need to be far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we did work with professional voice actors. So, you know, once they realize they need to do, do this stuff, they, <laughs> they got it mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very quickly. Um, cool. So no, we, we, it's a fabulous cast of actors. Um, it's probably a huge benefit to have professional voice actors. Yeah, well, I I didn't want to do it any other way, which is why I was going over, you know, the budget was a fine tooth comb to make sure I I was at least paying, you know, enough to get really, you know, good people who are interested and, and obviously not name actors, but that's okay, too. Yeah, well, you know, as long as they're good at it, then, then, yeah, and they they make absolutely. the roles. As long as they they make the thing stand out, that's all you really have to do. Yes. Now, I, I'm interested in one other thing too, in that, you know, you had the comic ready, and then you went to the audio drama. Did having the comic before you did the script for the audio drama did that help as far as making it work? Um, what you mean the, the script for the ghost ship or the overall series? I mean, you're the comic, you had the comic, right? You, you, you developed the comic ahead of time, right? Oh yeah. The, 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 the story and, oh yeah, the, the comic and the novel and and all of that came before, you know, far before the audio drama did. Yeah. I was just wondering because you have to think visually in a comic. Correct. I just want, I just wondered if, Doing that process before you did the audio drama where you don't have that leg to stand on, was it? did it help you when it came to doing sound only? Were you like using the visuals from the comic to imagine what the sound should be like? I, that's kind of what I'm aiming. I'm just kind of oh, curious okay. if the comic was helpful in doing that. Um, not really because hmm. I'm just sitting down and writing a script. Mm-hmm. So I have to th- – you know, it, you know, I take that back. You're probably right. It, it's one of those things where it all melds into one, where probably my brain first processed it visually and then thought about it in an auditory way. Hmm. It probably did, and I just didn't even think about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. It, it, when, it, when it comes automatically like that, that's that, that means you're in the right place. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was really interesting to, to write an audio drama script and um, – you know, and it's, it's, it's limitations. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I like learning new things, so it's mm-hmm. all good. How much of the story changed as a result of the change of, uh, medium or media, whatever they, I, I never get that right. Media, medium. Yeah. Medium. medium. Um, you- quite, quite, a, quite a bit because oh, really? yeah. Uh, the, like I told you, if the basic premise stayed the same of, this ghost ship that uh, is basically, I don't want to give away too much, you know, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. there for a very specific reason. You know, there's ghosts involved or spirits. Um, there's a big secret that no one wants to talk about um, <laughs> that they have to, you know, discover and reveal mm-hmm. before more people die. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Part of the part of the original script had uh, was dependent on visuals, mm-hmm. and so I had to remove that. I had to change that, mm-hmm. and uh, so it could translate in an auditory fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there were some major uh, uh, plot changes from mm-hmm. the original from the original story, but the core story remained the same. Cool. Cool, because that's I'm always fascinated by you know because some people want 
every version of a story to remain the same, whether it's a novel or a comic or an audio drama or an animated, they want the story to be exactly the same, that you could hold the comic up and read it, and it would be exactly the same in the audio drama as it is in a comic. And I always tell people, no, <laughs> that's well, not I how mean, it's going to work. Well, well, there is no comic of the ghost ship, and there never will be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I've um, obviously a lot of fans of Boston Metaphysical have come on board for the audio drama, but not mm-hmm. all of them, which is mm-hmm. fair. And, and they've told me, they said like, Hey, this sounds like a, a great story. You put it in a book form and I'm there. <laughs> and cause that's just, that's what they like. And that's totally mm-hmm. fair. Uh, I get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like that for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I hate to break it to them, but it's, it's probably never going to be in book form. Hmm. Maybe it will. Yeah. Maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. But have to see if it gets really popular and people say, man, I, I would, I would love the story if it was in visual format, you might change your mind. I, mean, I might it, change, I might change my mind if there was, if there was yeah. enough demand for it. But I, I personally, as a creator, I always like to move on and do a new story. Now, where does the ghost ship fall in the history of the Boston Metaphysical Society? Is it early? Is it in the middle? Where, where does it fall? Everyone always asks that question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it falls under what I call the case files of the Boston Metaphysical Society. Okay. And it's in it's set in the same time period of the original six-issue miniseries, kind of in between those issues. Mm-hmm of those, the original six issues, uh, because in the ghost ship, we only have, uh, Samuel, Caitlin and Granville are our original three. And if you've been reading the sequels, you see that I've been bringing, you know, new characters on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but that happens much later. So mm-hmm. yeah, the case files are just focusing on our original three, uh, major characters and quite frankly, that was for budget reasons, because hmm. uh, I was trying to keep the cast down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, because you yeah. know, some, when I watched the animated series for Star Trek, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who played Scotty did like about twelve different voices. Yeah, if they need, needed a voice and something, because because he's not, he doesn't speak with a Scottish accent regularly. So he, he was the alien Eric's who was sitting at the control panel and, and he was Scotty and he was all these different aliens that showed up. They'd say to, to uh, 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 Jimmy Doohan, they say, hey, can you do something such a voice? And he'd do it. Okay, you're it. And they would, he would go in and do the voices. Yeah, so but, I'm just, but, but you still have to pay them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for the different roles. That's right. That's yeah. Right, so. Yeah. I well, mean, you, cool. you, you do. So it's still it's still a, a casting issue. And mm-hmm. um, so and being my first audio drama, I wanted mm-hmm. to keep things as simple as possible. Okay. We do have some walk on roles where the same actor plays like four different roles. Oh, wow. Very um, cool. And then, yeah, I have uh, another another woman who plays two small roles. Okay. Um, so yeah, no, we we doubled up on on the walk on roles with, mm-hmm. with people because that just makes it easier. Oh yeah, if they understand, you don't have to uh, initiate them to the whole process again. Yeah, yeah. And, they already have that, and and they you know they did a great job and um, you know got paid a flat rate and. So thank you very much, and they get their IMDb credit, and we're all good. <laughs> all right. Well, wow. There's a lot of people love to get that. That's a, that's a big deal because that opens the door for future possibilities. So, yes. Very good. Yes. I mean, unfortunately, IMDb does have podcasts and audio dramas listed mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, one of the reward tiers, probably the, the, the upper-level reward tier, is to uh, be an executive producer. Hmm. Cool. cool. Now, so, now I've got to ask a question. Probably everybody else also asks: Is your voice anywhere in the ghost ship? No. Okay. <laughs> I leave that to the professionals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I always ask people, because I'm always interested. Uh, some people, well, like, for example, in comics, people will get their, their face drawn into the comic mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I did that with one comic that I could actually afford doing it. And uh, I'm always interested in that. And people want to be a part of that. But you probably, you've got so much else that you're doing. You probably don't need that kind of fulfillment to, to have you in there. No, I don't. I don't need to be in my own comic. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> that's. And besides, what's interesting is that a lot of people will point at Caitlin and say, oh, is this you? And I'm like, no, I don't have red hair. <laughs> you know, um, or uh, Louisa Pressler, who did the amazing cover for my novel, A Storm of Secrets. Mm-hmm. People will point at her and they'll look at me and they say, oh, is that you? And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you should put a big I, sign. I have, I have never looked that good in my life. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. You say, I don't appear in this production. <laughs> do not appear in this production. Um, I am behind this production. It is my brainchild. That's that's what you will see from me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, you know, you're content with the creative part of it. Yes. Although being a voice is also a creative thing, but Absolutely. it's a little different. It's it's just a little different than than producer slash uh, uh, whatever yeah. other roles you got and, and, and you know yeah. approval and stuff like that. So no, no, I I I'd, I'd rather it it go to the the voice acting professionals. Very cool, very cool. It's really going to be great. Now you're saying that uh, February is the likely time this will all be released. Correct. Okay, so we're going to look forward to that. Now, while we were talking, actually, and of course, we were recording this ahead of time, uh, your pledge amount went up. As yes, I was watching. Went, up, went up a couple, went up a few. So we're, I always, I like that. I always wish that we were doing, if we were doing this live, that would tell me something. But we're <laughs> not, unfortunately. But the good news is it's still happening, even though it's not going out live. We're still seeing uh, movement forward. Yeah. Now, talk talk a little bit about the stretch goals and things like that that uh, are involved. We have because- I actually have to do an update um, very soon here. We've actually made our first stretch goal um, mm-hmm. already, which is a digital wallpaper of the beautiful CD cover art that Gwen Tavares did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, people should take a look at it. And uh, our second stretch goal, which I will post hopefully tonight, if not tonight, then tomorrow morning, um, I'm will be some magnets. Uh, they're they're absolutely gorgeous. One is going to be of Caitlin, and I'm getting one of uh, the Clipper ship, and that should probably be up by the time this airs. Okay. And uh, if we make that stretch goal, then the one after that I have planned is to do what I call my, my bonus stretch goal. It will be to give bonuses to the cast. Oh, good. That's good. That's a great way to do If I remember correctly, in the last time we talked, you had done a pin for yes. books. Are you going to do uh, any chance of another pin this time, or no, no? I, I, the pins go, the pins go with the graphic novel. <laughs> oh, okay, so that the, it, it's got its own little space. Where yeah, it's so. it, it is, and plus, I do, um, I do one new pin a year, and okay. what I usually do is a uh, a few months before the Kickstarter, actually more than that, I'll send out a post on Facebook saying like. Hey, if anybody has any ideas for a new pen, um, post it here. And if I select it and it gets produced, I will mail you a free one. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing that for the last, the last four years. So, yes, I've been sending out free pens. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the last one was the Plague Doctor, mm-hmm. which is, as you can imagine, hugely popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, this time. It, yeah, the the lady who selected that, I, I was kind of like, I looked at that select her idea, and I went like, oh yeah, duh, I should have just thought that. <laughs> and I said, you win, you win. As soon as they're produced, I'll 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 DM you and and get your uh, mailing information and and send you one. Very cool. She kind of even cool. went like, yeah, I kind of thought that was obvious, and I was like, yeah, you're right, <laughs> it was. <laughs> but sometimes the obvious works. 
Yes. This is cool. Very cool. Now, another, the, the reward that I signed up for, by the way, and I've signed up to, it was the flash drive. Oh, one of the uh, the tiers. The reward yeah. Tier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the tiers are interesting. We have uh, a wooden flash drive that is going to have etched on it an American Clipper ship on one side and then the title Lego ship on the other. Um, mm. That was done by Alejandro Lee. Mm. an artist he's a friend of mine and also amazingly talented mm. and so yeah that's i chose it because the wood it sort of looks like something that might belong on a ship mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to actually find it so i was happy when i did and then also we do have a, a five disc cd set mm-hmm. that will have cd quality audio on it mm-hmm. um i'll have that produced as well and then if people are new to the Boston Metaphysical Universe, they can get PDFs of the trade and the sequels, or they can get physical copies. Okay. Now, as far as the – is the music CD on the the flash drive, or is it something separate? Oh, you mean the soundtrack? Yeah. Um, right now, we don't have a soundtrack. We might. It depends oh. on – it depends – the the CD is is going to have obviously all eight episodes on it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that'll have yeah. that'll have the actual episodes on it because I've even had some backers say like, yeah, I have an old car that still has a CD <laughs> set, yeah. so they like doesn't have any MP3 or anything mm-hmm. on it, and mm-hmm. so they just like keep throwing the CDs in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right now, depending on the stretch goals, we might have a soundtrack, but cool. We'll we'll see, we'll see on that. I'm big on soundtracks, is why I ask because I. You I know, love it may happen at some point. I mm-hmm. just there's there's a lot of factors, a lot of things that have to happen first, like okay. getting the actual audio drama completed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good thing to have done. Yes, yeah, that that's the, that's the first priority. <laughs> well, it sounds terrific, and the story looks fascinating. I just can't wait to to get into it and uh, get lost in it and uh, enjoy it because uh, all your stories really pull me in and I'm just there. I don't care what medium you or media you choose. I'm always interested and always get lost in the story and want I want more. When it gets done, I go, darn, that's the end. <laughs> I want more of this stuff. And you've got lots of good materials to read. So it can't, you can get the, the PDFs you said as well as the. Yes, you can get the PDFs or the physical copies. Okay, so that's good. That all that is good stuff. Because let me tell you, it's good reading. Uh, people really, I, if once you get started, I think with one though, you're going to want them all. So I would buy them all if it was if it's up to me. Yeah, it, it, really it's good. always quite a, a treat for me when I go to a con and someone buys the trade on, say, you know, Thursday or Friday, and on Saturday and Sunday they come back and get the rest. Mm-hmm. So I, I always feel pretty humbled and honored when that happens. <laughs> Now, what about the the uh, novel, the the written word in there, yes. uh, the Storm of Secrets? Um, you can get that too, right? That is correct. Um, that is a prequel to the original six-issue miniseries, as is Prelude, which is a series of short stories and novellas. Cool, cool. So there's lots of good Boston Metaphysical Society to enjoy. Lots yes. I, I just always find it so interesting that you go, you know, you've written the novel, you've done comics, now you're going to have an audio story. What do you think will be next that you're going to want to tackle? Do you have any idea? Uh, a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit and listen to the audio drama while you're on vacation. Yeah, that would be work though, because I'd be listening for you know sound Listen. and music oh. and yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like me, I'm my own worst critic, and if I look at something I've done, I go, ah, I should have put this word there. I should have spelled it differently. So you got to be kind of be careful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've pretty much you know, taken on a lot this year. And uh, so I, I'm going to have to scale back a little bit next year, I think. So, okay. Well, but you certainly I'll, earned I'll, it. I'll still get, I, I don't know if you heard or not, but I'm going to be writing a story for Lady Mechanica. No. How about yeah. that? So that's probably up next. Okay. Um, plus I have to write the next Boston metaphysical graphic novel. Oh boy. Okay. So Yeah. 
So 2022 will be a busy year for, for you. Yeah, but I hope to spend most of that um, writing as opposed to producing. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. you use different muscles as far as that goes. So that'll be good. Yes. Yes. That'll be great to do that. Might you some at some point when you've done some more graphic novels want to come back to an audio drama or is this going to kind of scratch that itch for you? Um, I don't know yet. Um, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, we're, we're doing fine on Kickstarter. I'm very pleased mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, after it goes out to Kickstarter backers, then I'll, I'll figure out what platform it's going to be in and, and so I think at that point, it depends on how it does out in the real world. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, it, it sounds great. What I've heard just makes me want it more. And again, let me say that it's, it, it's going to conclude on Friday, November 19 at 2.17 p.m. Eastern time. Correct. Don't wait until then. No. I always tell people, get it done soon. Because I, I imagine even you are fall victim to the refresh the screen thing and see if something's happened or changed. Because it used to be oh with Kickstarter. God. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like everybody else. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. Because the Kickstarter now, as I, as I was looking at the screen, it rolls. The number changes. You don't have to refresh. Uh, yeah, nice sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, you, everybody, everybody, I'm as guilty as everyone else. It's like you hit the refresh because you just you can't help yourself. Yeah, you, you, you speak from experience. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's the truth. The thing is, is that way. Uh, it, it's such an interesting thing. Kickstarter provides so much great content and i'm I'm really glad that you got into it because you know it helps make us the fans a little more aware of what's going on in in the boston metaphysical society universe which is really great yeah no it's it's a great platform that's really something have you ever considered i've been talking to people recently they started doing this going when this gets done going to indiegogo oh i've done that once before um but because I just don't have the time for it. Okay. <laughs> and um, it takes more work than it's actually worth. Okay. Um, it And it mainly because it doesn't have the sense of urgency that Kickstarter yeah. does. You know, right. Kickstarter's like, okay, you have until this time, and then it's mm-hmm. over. It's mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get in now, you miss it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with in the demand program, it just it keeps going and going, and it's yeah, yeah well, not really. You wanna don't don't do too much. Yeah, it's no. really I can't. I did it once. It was like okay, but yeah. Some people are big on it. That's why I ask. No, but, some people really like it, and that's great, and they do great on it, and more mm-hmm. power to them. Mm-hmm. It's just not the platform for me. Okay. Well, you know, you found your home and it's good to get the, the stuff done and it's successful for you. So I just keep that up. Now, if people want to keep up with what you're doing via social media, how do they do that? Uh, through uh, Facebook uh, is Boston Metaphysical Society Comic. Um, Twitter is I'm at M. Holly Rosing. Um, Instagram is MC Holly and the numeral one. Uh, and of course, we have the website, bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can sign up for the blog or the newsletter there. And um, uh, I always recommend the newsletter. It's only once a month. So you don't, you know, it doesn't clog up your inbox. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't make you crazy. Mm-hmm. And I do some fun stuff. I obviously, you know, catch up with any relevant news of books or cons or Kickstarters, but I also do reviews for fan base press of, of novels and comics and other stuff. Hmm. Um, I usually find some fun articles out there and, uh, you know, talk about some fun stuff. Um, so it's, it's what I call, you know, you got, you're at work or at home and you just need a break for five to 10 minutes. You go skim through it, see what's going on mm-hmm. and then move on for your day. That's great. Well, again, congratulations on already meeting your goal and Thank getting you. into the stretch goals. That, that's always a great, <laughs> uh, there are a lot of people who would love to reach that place. 
already. So I, it's just great that you've gotten there already. You've developed this wonderful franchise that I just hope continues to grow and blossom. And maybe someday will be an animated show or, or uh, maybe maybe live action. Maybe. That'd yeah. be fun to have you producing that, <laughs> doing that. And you're behind the thing, all right, move the person over that way, you know. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun because you, you, all these things are really working super well and great storytelling, gripping. You know, I, I never know what you're going to do next, which I really love. And so I, I, I don't know you. what I'm going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do next? Oh, okay. This. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, it, sometimes I read a book and I can tell you when I read the first page, I can tell you what the last page is going to be like. Cause yeah. I, I, I've read enough of these now that I know that stuff, but yours, I can't do that. And I love that. You don't know how great that is to an experienced reader like me. I just love that. So all I can say is, Madeline, keep it up. More success to you. I More and more and more. I hope that you keep setting up these new goals and new things you want to do and and being successful with them and taking this place where fans are just happy to go with you. Great. Thank you. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator, something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics. (laughs) 